Hey, Star Children, welcome back to another episode of The Spiritual Gaze. I'm one of your hosts, Angel. And I'm your other host, Brandon. And this is our twice-monthly podcast dedicated to exploring the wide reaches of spirituality without pretending that it all makes sense. Because if we tried to do it more than twice a month, we'd go crazy. (laughs) We'd kill each other. We'd fall apart. So it's a twice monthly offering until maybe there's like a whole spiritual gaze empire and we have, you know, assistants and other people helping us out. Yes. But the truth of the matter is we are traversing the wide reaches of space and time pretty much all the minutes of our lives. Yeah. Well, we live in the spiritual realms and twice a month we chat about it for all of you to hear but (laughs) every day we're chatting about it just for our dog noche to hear yeah he's very wise he's also very bored um he's all he's cooped up (laughs) he's despondent yeah we're recording this in the middle of a heat wave here in la yeah it's like over 100 degrees over 110 degrees and so noche has gotten some very short walks this weekend yeah but so have we (laughs) that's why we're both all three of us are like Boop, beep, boop, boop, bouncing off the walls. The lots of cuddles. Mm, it has been a cuddly weekend. Lots of cuddles. Mm-hmm. He was under the bed earlier, and I got down like on my belly to try to find him. Yeah. And I can't quite fit under the bed. And I like was half under the bed, and I just looked at him, and I was like, you know, I see why you like it down here. <laughs> if I could hang out down here, I probably would too. It seems like it's probably, I mean... I don't know. Is it cool? It's cool. It's dark. It feels like protected. Well, that's nice. I know. It's nice. It's a secret cave. Yeah. It's his little cosmic cave. I want one. Well, goals. Did you ever used to build forts when you were a kid? All the time. Me too. I actually used to have this little outdoor fort. It was like this little fairy kingdom, like around the corner from my house when I was young. And there were like all these like stones and flowers. And there were these like big palm trees and you could like kind of burrow underneath them. And I used to spend a lot of time just like hanging out, not like literally burrow into the earth, but like there were all sorts of like shrubs and plants and things. So you could like kind of like hide in all of this growth. Wow. A fairy kingdom. Did you make a good profit off it when you sold it? Yeah, I did. I really turned that around. (laughs) Good for you. Yeah. I mean, the neighborhood really just came up around it. So you should get back into flipping kingdoms. (laughs) Flipping fairy kingdom. (laughs) It just seems like it was lucrative. Yeah. Yeah. Just came to me naturally. Mm. The flare, the fairy flipper, the fairy flipper on HGTV. Yeah, there you go. That's your next iteration. I love it. <laughs> this kingdom was a dump, <laughs> but a couple of crystals later, it's now a five-star fairy exactly. kingdom. Exactly, not a troll to be to be seen. <laughs> uh, who are you? We should tell people. Oh right, who who? Just we in be? case, just in case this is your first time here at Welcome. Fairy Kingdom. Welcome to case the Fairy, fairy Kingdom. kingdom. Uh, I'm Brandon Alter. I'm a spiritual healer. I'm a teacher of tarot and uh, astrology, which also makes me a tarot reader and an astrologer. And I'm a writer. I've been doing a lot of writing these days. Um, And I'm a mystic. And so are you, whoever you are. I'm your husband. No, I meant the people listening. Oh, sorry. You were looking at me <laughs> while you said it. So I'm like, uh, is he having a moment? Like I got nervous. Yeah, I was having a heat stroke. I didn't know. Uh, well, honey, I'm your husband. Oh, right. Angel Lopez. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> yes. Nice to meet you too. Uh, I am a film producer. I am a writer. I am an astrologer 
and I am a teacher of astrology and tarot at the Spiritual Gaze Spirit School for up-budding wizards. And witches. And witches. And fairy flippers. And fairy flippers. <laughs> and a fairy flipper. <laughs> and queelers. And queelers, yo. I think we've settled on a spelling. Yeah, Q-U-E-E. Yeah. L-E-R. I know that's going to be really divisive, but it just felt like we needed it to feel more queer than heal. Like that was just that was just how I think we we decided to go. Yeah. But maybe if we ever make merch, we'll we'll do it with both spellings. Yeah. So you can to have it whatever way you feel most connected to it. As long as it got the logo on it, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> Which we're still in process around. We're still trying to finish. Yeah. Does somebody want to help us with a logo? <laughs> yeah, we got ideas. We just keep hitting dead ends with designers. Yeah. But it's all good. It's all good. Uh Anyhow's any hoodle. How are you doing, honey? Let's do a check in. Check it in. This is that check in time. Do doop do doop do 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 Did you have coffee this morning? Of course, but not a full caffeinated one. Just your half calf. This is just me on life. Yes, Queen, living your life, feeling myself. Okay, but well, why don't you check in, Mister? I'm feeling myself, living my life. Why don't I? Uh no, honestly, I am like, yeah, I'm feeling good. I We did an amazing breathwork session yesterday. We did. Uh, which I really love. We do them every other Saturday. Get a really amazing group of gazers together. Um, it's my and, one chance to usurp you and make a playlist. Yeah, but you, I, but I help. Oh, you certainly help. But usually, you know, you're the captain of the playlist ship. Yes. And for breathwork, I get to, I get to be co-captain. Yes, but you also co-captain the other playlists as well. Well, I, I'm a consultant on those <laughs> you playlists, are, you so are I'm not a co-captain by any means. <laughs> yeah, but you are. A, you get what you want. Not always. Bit, not a lot always. of the time. Well, um, he's referring to the playlist that we have made for our astrology class that we've been doing. We've been making playlists for each of the planets, um, and we like go really hard on it. It's like. It take we like spend an hour. We're just like playing songs. Okay, well, what about this song? We're like pitching songs yeah. for each other. It's usually it's... late at night. <laughs> yeah. We're like dancing in the kitchen. It's fun. Yeah, because we I created a whole it. diva solar system. Yes. So each uh, diva is a planet, and then we put together a playlist taking that planet through all twelve houses of the zodiacal wheel. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll do uh, we'll do one tomorrow. But yeah, so we had this amazing breathwork session yesterday and I had this really low experience that I couldn't quite like put into words when we were talking about it after like doing our sharing portion after. But Mm -hmm. in thinking about it some more, like how I really like was able to distill it was like I had this like feeling that has continued since of like feeling caught up with myself. Oh, wow. Like I feel just like energetically spiritually emotionally caught up that must feel amazing it does must feel like a relief it really does feel like a relief and of of course that maybe i'm being arrogant and thinking like i'm all caught up i got it all in check but um but i do feel um i guess just like on some level a little more whole than i have felt in a long time so that's refreshing (laughs) to feel like a sense of wholeness yeah totally when yeah i think i've been like always feeling really fractured 
And I think it has a lot to do with, you know, the work we've been doing, you know, these, these breathwork sessions, the webinars, teaching classes, you know, really showing up for my spiritual self, but it's also merged so beautifully with my creative self as well. Um, just like putting together all the notes for classes and for the webinars and all the writing that goes into it. Yeah, it just feels like all the pieces of me are active right now. And I'm doing a lot of my like TV writing stuff right now and really feeling active in that. And yeah, it just feels nice. I, of course, like, don't love still feeling really distant from my relationships. Mm -hmm. That's probably the most challenging yeah. piece of it. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I'm leaning into it because it feels really purposeful right now that I'm supposed to kind of like be isolated, be focused, be present to what's in front of me. And just kind of doing that. And that's also not to say that like, I'm not like feeling like sad or hard emotions because those are coming up too. But I just feel like I'm just able to be more present to a cry when it needs to show up and letting it move through. Yeah. I mean, I just love the image of like having caught up with yourself. Yeah. It's almost like, like you have sort of this like almost like blurred energetic field in front and behind you at all times, you know, and mm -hmm. you're kind of either like vacillating between the two. And I just felt like they both kind of like went and like, and there, I think there's something too to the, all the um, like beginning meditations we do in class. It's actually you who inspires it. You always do this thing where it's like sort of gather up the different pieces of you. Mm -hmm. And I really like intensely visualize that every time I do it. Like I visualize myself sitting at the desk in the spirit room writing. I visualize myself outside, like taking the trash out. I visualize myself with the dog. I visualize myself on the phone. I visualize myself doing dishes, you know, like and literally just like, like sucking all of those visions back up into me. Yeah. Gathering yourself up. Yeah. And that's been really helpful just in my meditations to kind of like remember that, oh yeah, I, I did probably leave a, a piece of me on the floor there and I need to call it back. Yeah. So, you know, all in prep for the, the, you know, last quarter of this year, Whew. which I think, yeah, is going to have its challenges, but you know, I want to try and be as much of me as possible going into it. Totally be as resourced as possible. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's been inspiring to watch you. I mean, the notes that you're creating for the astrology class are so amazing. I mean, it's Thanks, basically baby. the rough draft of the Spiritual Gaze Astrology book. Yeah. So that'll definitely be a 2021 goal for sure. I oh, mean, yeah. you've put so much amazing work and heart into it. Um, so it'll be nice to share it with other folks. Yeah, I know. And then when people take the courses, we can just be like, and you get a copy of our book. Yeah, you just get our book. Well, because the book is basically the textbook that we teach the course on. Mm -hmm. So it's perfect. Yeah. But anyhow, how are you, my love? I'm good. You are good. Yeah, You're I looking good. good. Oh, thank you. Not to like make it all visual, but... I'll take it. 
you know, yeah, you know, I have cut. so many planets in the first house that I like to <laughs> flattery works on me. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm good. I feel like at this point in the unfolding of 2020, I have definitely softened and have just allowed myself to be soft and there's a better balance. And when I'm busy, I'm busy. And when I'm not busy, I'm really recognizing that and allowing myself to like take naps and be a little meandering and just like not be so hard on myself. I don't think I fully realized until, and I don't even want to say like quarantine happened because it wasn't until well into quarantine, like just how, how much of an acolyte I was at like the church of accomplishment, you know, and just like feeling so wrapped up with productivity and needing things to happen as opposed to like just being and just like enjoying life on life's terms, essentially. Uh, we're watching this amazing show right now. We're late to the game because we're late to all television shows, apparently. But Better Things on FX, and there's this amazing scene between the the main character who's a mom and her 16-year-old daughter. And she says something to the extent of like, even if you like just get a basic job and just like do that for your life, you will still have a great life because life is good. It's just the simplicity of surrendering to the idea that like life is good, like life is joyful. And of course there are challenges and there are injustices and there's a shitstorm swirling around us, but that doesn't mean that the core of life can't still be sweet. And I've really been leaning into that. And frankly, all of the chasing and the seeking and the running around and the busyness kept me from just like really being present for whatever's really good in my life and, and a softening, just an overall softening. Um, which I think was well needed. So in some ways, I feel like I've been able to just like drop my mask a little bit more because there aren't all these situations where I have to like suit up, you know? And I too miss my friends. (laughs) I miss like getting a massage, you know? I miss adventure, like getting in the car and driving out to the desert. But somehow I'm feeling very nourished in these last few weeks. And I'm really grateful that I seem to have like turned a corner internally. And I hope that that gives me the power and the presence that this last quarter of 2020 and the first quarter of 2021, to be honest, is obviously going to call forth from us. So, yeah, because there's no way to be like blissfully unaware of all of the like ridiculously frustrating things that are going on in the world. No, Um, but that doesn't mean that we can't partake in what joy is immediately available to us no exactly like i that's where it's like i i do my best in the days to when i'm walking the dog like and have a butterfly fly over my head like react to it like a joyful child and like where are you going and like try to follow it and you know just try to find those moments of magic to counterbalance all the fucking yeah hardship that also exists i think i'm doing a better job of finding ways to balance it yeah just like really enjoying like the spa water that i've been making these Mm. days you know Mm -hmm. or Uh, eating a peach and like really just like being present for how delicious a peach is eating a cookie oh yeah from better with butter oh or a pumpkin cinnamon roll y'all know i had this pumpkin whoopie whoopie pie i know we have a friend. He goes by Betta with Butta. He's Chris Tucker on Instagram. And you can order. He ships nationwide. But uh, Does he really? Yeah. Oh, and he made guys. this like pumpkin 
whoopie pie thing. And it's that, vegan, right? Yeah. Oh, it's so oh good. My you God, never know. Joel, I lost it. Yeah, so we've been eating a lot of delicious vegan pastries. <laughs> yeah. And really enjoying them. And exercising to balance it out. Well, before the heat wave, I was doing these really beautiful like marathon jog hikes through mm-hmm. Griffith Park that have been happening ever since Mars moved into Aries, I think. Well, I think that's been helpful for you too, right? Oh my God, yes. That has been... Well, I'll save that because that was part of my... Oh, got it. ...dose right. of inspiration. Well, All right, well, should we're we just... in a good segue, yeah. yeah. But I'm really proud of you, babe. I'm glad you're like in a place of softening and feeling... Yeah. And know. what's really interesting, and I'll just say like... I'm somebody who has usually been really regimented in like a morning routine and a lot of different practices. And y'all, my practices have just like flown out the window and it's okay. Like it's okay for right now. And I'm learning how not to like be hard on myself or to like give myself a whole guilt trip about things. And I actually remember that one of my teachers doesn't have a particularly regimented morning or afternoon or evening practice either. And his wife is kind of always on him about that. But his response is just like, my whole life is my practice. Like when you're present for your life in a spiritual way, like maybe you don't necessarily need the hour in the morning, you know, to get you into the river of spirit because you're living in spirit all the time. When I think being in Virgo season right now, it's also just a good time to to really kind of like step back and see what your relationship with order mm-hmm. is. You know, yeah. what is your relationship with routine, with habit? Um, and whether you are someone who needs to lean into it more or someone who has been too heavily regimented and needs to step back, I think now is yeah. that time to just get a clearer sense of, okay, what does my routine really totally? And there are phases. To be? There are mm-hmm. phases where you need it more and you need it less. Yeah. And you have to be present for those phases and not just kind of blindly impose upon yourself what has worked in the past because that may not be what you need right now. Yeah. You know, like there were years where I woke up every morning and I did like 45 minutes of breath work and I needed it at that time. But I don't know if I necessarily need that right now. What I need is this continual softening and a little bit more spontaneity and play. Yeah. Yeah, it's really like letting your life show you what you need right now. Yes. As opposed to telling it. I've been leaving offerings for all the animals of the backyard. <laughs> I've been like leaving like oh, yeah. overripe peaches and plums and pluots oh, and bowls of water. He really is a fairy kingdom. That's been <laughs> maven. I'm flipping this fairy kingdom in maven. our back patio. He is. Um, yeah, but maybe that's been a practice. All right, shall we uh, slide into our segment for this week? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Let's do it. It's time for a dose of inspiration. So this is that segment where we share some things that have been inspiring us and empowering us, whether they be books or movies or music or who knows what. Flowers. A crystal. Cheese. Tina Turner. Always. Better with butter whoopie pies. Oh, honey. Uh, (laughs) But uh, all right. Well, please start. What is one thing that has been moving you? Well, like I was not hinting at, but I basically said, all right, just getting out into nature and going into Griffith Park, which is crazy that we've lived, we live 1.3 miles from the entrance to Griffith Park. We've lived here for a decade. And of course, I've like gone into the park, but never to the same degree that I've been doing since quarantine happened and exploring all these different back trails because I'm trying to avoid where all the people are and all these like little side trails. And it's just been incredibly healing for me 
to like get out there and to jog and to like hike these steep, steep inclines and to get covered in dirt and to have my hands on the rocks and to find these different little viewpoints. And I just realized that, you know, the nature in your own backyard is just as meaningful as any like more dramatic, profound nature you can find somewhere else, you know? Like I love Joshua Tree because it's like, you know, hundreds of thousands of acres, you know, of untouched desert beauty. But the fact is, is Griffith Park is massively huge and I've seen coyotes and deer and I haven't seen a snake yet, which I'm actually a little disappointed about. I'd like to see a snake. <laughs> um, but it's been really healing and really grounding. And it's also just been useful for me because I have Mars and Aries natally and Mars and Aries is kind of this like energy of action and initiation, but also like frustration and aggravation. It's like kind of like a, like let's fight or fuck sort of energy to some degree. And so going on these like really long jog hikes has been really helpful to kind of like spend that energy because I'm realizing like I have a lot of energy that needs to be spent. And if I don't spend it, then it gets backed up and it becomes depression or anxiety or just general bitchiness. And so uh, it's been good to like actually be like spending it all. So that's been really good. And then I have a book too, if that's okay. Of course. Well, so fiction's always been like my drug of choice. So I just read a really great book that I bought like years ago and then like never read it and just like sat there waiting for the right moment. And it's called A Hologram for the King. It's by Dave Eggers, who's a great writer. And it was just like a really quick little two-day read about this American businessman who finds himself in Saudi Arabia trying to prepare some sort of like technological presentation for the king of Saudi Arabia, a hologram literally for the king. But it just was a really good quarantine read because he's kind of like trapped in Saudi Arabia, just like being shuttled between his hotel room and the work site. And it's just this really strange, really beautiful, really simple, nourishing read. So if anyone's looking for something hugely absorbing and like really easy. Like you don't have to think too hard. You just kind of like immediately get swept up in it. Um, I really enjoyed it. And that's the funny thing about books sometimes is like, they're just waiting for the right moment to like fill that space in your life. Mm -hmm. So nature and a hologram for the king. Beautiful. What about you, boo? Um, well, I have a book too, but I'll start with the TV show that we watched. Yeah. That I thought was pretty amazing and what i'm gonna assume most of y'all have seen it but if you haven't what is it get the two i may destroy you oh fuck uh which was really one of the most <sighs> profoundly beautiful and insightful and just creative shows it's a masterpiece yeah yeah that i've seen in some time um it really is like epic in scope though it's essentially like a character or dramedy. Um, but it is about this uh, woman played by Michaela Cole. She also writes the show, produces the show, even directs, I believe, some episodes. Uh, but she plays a, a writer, a really popular sort of social media-based writer who uh, is sexually assaulted and... Uh, is sort of haunted by the memory of it and it's a, and the effects of, of the assault. And then, um, you know, starts to unpack a bunch of things about her life, uh, through the course of just going through the experience of, of moving through that, 
through that assault. Um, but it also has a lot of joy to it, um, a lot of heart. And, you know, it's for me, like, the most amazing television is television that, like, gets you connecting to people. And so I have, like, this project I've been working on with, like, a little group of people. And we, like, have, like, a weekly Zoom where we get together and chat. And I told everyone they needed to watch it because they weren't. And then the next week, everyone was caught up. And we got into this really amazing discussion, not just about the show, but then like about our own experiences around like, you know, not just sexual assault, but sexual harassment and sort of gender dynamics in culture. And it was just like amazing that we, you know, all kind of like got to bond and share around not just the content of the show, but like its themes as well. So um, not an easy show to watch, uh, but uh, definitely something worth diving into if you can. And then I have a book that I read, this uh, nonfiction book. Oh, nonfiction. Yeah. You love some nonfiction. Oh, I love it. Yeah, I, I love like having books that feel like the person's like talking to me. Totally. But this is something called The Body is Not an Apology by Sonia Renee Taylor, who I also discovered over social media really just like five, six months ago. Um, and she's in a, a phenomenal like poet and um, has this organization uh, that was stemmed from uh, the themes of this book. But it's really all about like body shame and coming to terms with, uh, you know, the body you have, how to love your body. Um, but it goes beyond just, you know, like sort of a self-helpy memoir. Like it really talks about like the politics of body shame, um, what they, the mentalities, um, and social constructs that the, that body shame has created, uh, for this culture, for this world that we live in. Um, I just think it was so profound as someone who has, you know, who grew up overweight, who has dealt with like body shame, body dysmorphia, dysmorphism, dysmorphia, dysmorphia, uh, my whole life. Male camp, male camp. Um, you know, it's definitely a dialogue that I'm always having with myself. Um, but I've come to a much greater place with it. And this book really kind of like helped kind of push me through to a, a new plateau with it, of feeling like, okay, I can just like be so f- grateful and in love with the body that I have. Um, and, you know, I just wanted to read this little bit that I think is so like powerful, but you know, our body shame is a story whose chapters began being written in some of our earliest memories Body shame is not a thrilling page turner, but a grueling text of embarrassment, judgment, and grief. Our story made us believe we would never have love, we would never be good enough, we would always be rejected. But decades later, we find ourselves still stuck, the body shame story on loop in our minds. We do not have to keep that story. We absolutely have the power to turn in that cheap and tawdry tale and make a new story. So if you find yourself in need of a new story around your body and your experiences with your body, 
um, I highly recommend this book. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I want to read it when you're done. Yeah, it's great. And it talks about it from like, you know, through the lens of like, you know, like trans experiences, queer experiences, you know, race experiences, um, as well as like, just like physical physique, you know? Yeah. Well, it's just so interesting, like the standards of beauty and how arbitrary they are and how impermanent they are, you know, like mm-hmm. what's hip in one decade is like not hip in the next decade. Right. I even saw something on Instagram recently about how like they're selling freckle pens now. So you can like put freckles on your face because <laughs> well. like freckles are in, but that didn't always used to be the case. Right? right. Or even like, you know, like big bushy brows are in right now, but that didn't used to be the case. And, mm-hmm. you know, even just looking back at like what types of bodies are really like in, you know what I mean? Like there's always been this, And I think maybe she goes into it. Like, I think capitalism to some degree is to blame because it's about like selling you something. It's entirely to blame. So it's like, okay, this, okay, great. So we're on the same page here. Yeah. So it's like trying to sell you the tools to get the body or the look that's hot this decade. But like the finish line keeps moving because you always have to have something to buy. You know what I mean? As opposed to just like celebrating whatever, you know, like to me, and I've talked about this when I was teaching a lot more Pilates, like your body is a symbol for the life that you're supposed to live. And that like the type of body you have is not arbitrary. It's like very specific. It's like a symbol that's trying to remind you like who you're supposed to be. And if we can accept our bodies as they are, or they want to be, you know, then we can in some ways like do the work of our soul. Because your body and your voice do the work mm-hmm. of your soul. So if you're trying to get your body or your voice to be something different, then your soul doesn't actually have access to the tools it needs to do the thing it came here to do. Exactly. And because of, yeah, the corporate culture that we've lived in that was built upon, like, really, like, this white patriarchal idea, uh, that has driven us all toward this place, yeah, of distancing. And the more distanced you are from that cis, het, white, patriarchal like sort of core of it yeah the more isolated you have felt totally you know or been made to feel or really just unfortunately allowed yourself to feel because it's all that you have been fed yeah well and like you know beauty in quotation marks is currency and is power so like if you want to move forwards in certain ways like that's required to some degree yeah fuck pretty privilege is going down Fuck it all. Fuck but it you're all. beautiful, Burn so you have to take it. You have to take responsibility for your pretty privilege. Who me? Yeah, you, girl. Well, I'm gonna believe. I believe you now. <laughs> I am beautiful, no matter what they say. All right, uh, we should get into our deep dive. We should get into our deep dive. All right, y'all. Here we go. Time for a tarot episode. Yeah, we thought um, inspired by our upcoming tarot cosmos class, which starts on September twenty eighth. Oh shoot! We would give you guys a little taste of that cosmic medicine. So, put on your spacesuits or your scuba suits or your you birthday suit. Your birthday suit. Whatever you need in order to join us on this episode's Deep Dive. So who are the court cards? Who are they? Well, they're you. 
Me? Yeah, girl, they're you. Oh my god, you guys. Sorry to break it to you. No, but they're also you. And you. And you. You're still talking to me? No, I'm talking oh, to the people that, that are listening. <laughs> the court cards are the 16 cards in the tarot that really reflect back to us the different aspects of ourself. And so I think of them to some degree as like 16 different outfits that we all have in our interior closets. Mm. And when we pull a certain court card or a collection of court cards, it's a suggestion from spirit that whatever you're facing um, is trying to call forth this particular facet of yourself. Mm. And the old school tarot readers, you know, they would be like, oh, the Knight of Cups, like there's a dark haired man in your future. But that's just like so cisgender. Do you know what I mean? First of all, like that only knights can be men. And, you know, and also, you know, me, like I don't really like to use the cards to talk about other people. That feels like a little bit of low grade sorcery. I like the cards to talk about you and you alone. And so to me, they're mirrors. Right. They reflect you back to yourself in a way that you're either unaccustomed to seeing yourself or just a way that needs to be further empowered. And they're invitations into embodiment, meaning that these cards, more than any other cards in the tarot, are basically saying, like, this is who to be right now in your life. And so people get a little confused by them because I think that they're these broad concepts to some degree, um, but they're also really specific. And I think they're really helpful because when they show up, they basically are saying, like, this is the version of yourself that will create the path of least resistance and greatest reward if you can walk the road in this way. And we mm -hmm. all have different parts of ourselves that we're more accustomed to. So I thought we would quickly go through all 16 court cards today. Oh, shit. And just kind of talk a little bit about what aspect of self they're kind of calling forth. And if you have a tarot deck, what could be fun is um, to either look at the cards as we go through them or just later today, just pull out the court cards, just pull out those 16 court cards and shuffle them and just ask, you know, what one of these or two, if you're feeling a little greedy, you know, do I need to be right now for this moment in my life? The difference, as I see it, is that the pip cards, and these are the cards that we can count, so, you know, ace through ten, um, those 40 cards really speak to moments in our life with a beginning and a middle and an end. We're moving through those moments. They're not us. They're the landscape through which we find ourselves traversing. And the major arcana, those 22 cards that really chart the big archetypal energies that we find ourselves in thrall with... Um, they really speak to like the allies or the larger energies that are there to assist us as we move through these processes of evolution and becoming and growth. But the court cards are you. And there's something really simple and really nourishing about that. Because if you don't know what to do and you don't know exactly which version of yourself to be, the court cards show up to say like, be this one. And I thought that we'll maybe talk about um, some people in the world that maybe, uh, are good paradigms for these energies to help people kind of wrap their heads around it. But also, I've been working on what animals they would correspond with for the Spiritual Gaze Tarot deck whenever no, uh -huh. that decides it wants to happen. Um, so should we dive in, or do you have anything you want to say about the court cards and your experience? Oh, yeah. Well, I do, I do think it's important to say that they can, I believe, show up as an expression of another person um but it is dependent on the actual like question right i feel like that show that's a, if it's in reference to like a very specific or direct question 
At least that's been my experience. Yeah. I mean, it depends on what sort of a reader you are. I'm like a little persnickety about not asking questions about other people unless I have their permission. So I first and foremost always look to the court cards as you, but they can certainly also suggest other people in your life. Like, for example, yeah, like the father of swords can be you and you needing to step into that, but it can also mean your father as well. And that there's some sort of healing for you in understanding why you are reticent to step into that energy yourself because mm -hmm. there's something unhealed in your own relationship with your father. Right. And I guess I'm also just, I mean, I, I am a, bit, a little bit like old school basic sorceress when it comes to tarot. <laughs> so I used to like work at a shop and people would come and see me and be like, you know, is my husband cheating on me? And, you know, when you turn over the queen of swords, you're like, yeah. Oh, because the queen of swords is the mistress? Uh, yeah. See, that's interesting because to me that would say like, you know the truth. You don't need me to tell you. Queen of swords is your own all-seeing, all-knowing sense of truth and justice. So just the fact that you've come here asking that question means that you know your husband's cheating on you. Well, then they, we were both we would both be right. right. Which I think is a great example to show exactly. how the court cards can be both. And, yeah. you know, the tarot's a language, and you decide if you want to write poems, curses, spells, short stories, novels, or love songs with it. I write all of them. <laughs> all right, let's do it. So prolific. So we'll take it one suit at a time. Um, and the court cards have some different monikers, but we'll use the traditional page, knight, queen, king. But you can also think of them as daughter, son, mother, father. Um, there's even uh, some more esoteric ways of thinking about it, such as place, knower, gift, and speaker. Ooh. That's from Rachel Pollock's amazing deck. Um, and your deck has it a little different too, right? Yeah, it's knight, queen, prince, and princess. But essentially, it's four different aspects. And four is one of those numbers like the foundations of reality, the four directions, the four seasons. Um, so we'll talk about them as page, knight, queen, king. Um, but just know that your deck might call them something different. So we'll start with the Page of Pentacles. So Pentacles is the suit that speaks to physical things. The Pentacle is the five-pointed star inside a circle. So it's a symbol of witchcraft, but it's also a coin. And so Pentacles are both the physical things, but also the magic that's underneath all of the physical things. Like a strawberry is magical. We've just forgotten it. We've taken it for granted. Where does the strawberry even come from? It comes from the void. It comes from nothingness. And then there it is, and it's delicious. Magic. So Pentacles are both. It's the physical and the magical realm from which all physical things come. And so the pages in general, they're there to ground the energy. They're the first master. All of the court cards are masters. They're you expressing mastery of some degree of yourself. And so the pages are really masters at grounding that energy. And pentacles is earth energy. So the page of pentacles is like double earth. It's double foundation to some degree. And it's about moving slowly. It's about really connecting to the earth. And it's about integration of everything that you've learned. So if you're starting a new job, or you are planting a garden, or you're just learning how to be an adult in the world in a new way for the first time, you're the page of pentacles. You're learning how to integrate the mastery of your studies into practical expression. In the spiritual gaze tarot deck, 
the page of pentacles would be an alpaca. Because hmm. an alpaca has that sort of like close to the ground sort of energy. There's like a sweetness. They're also like a little smelly. Like <laughs> things get like stuck in their hair. Yeah. And that's like part of their magic, you know? But also they're... Um, felt i think is what it's called mm -hmm. um like their fur essentially is like used to make amazing things like it's quite practical you know no, and lucrative and lucrative making that making that money mm -hmm. and the page of pentacles looks to the pentacle to kind of like as a seed to say like what sort of magic can you do like i'm learning from you so if you were to pull the page of pentacles and you're working on a creative project it would be like okay how can the project itself communicate to me how it wants to go as opposed to me imposing some sort of external structure on how I think this is supposed to go. Wow. Yeah. Learning from life as life wants to be lived. So then we get to the night. So the knights, their, you know, function is to move that energy along, right? Like that's what knights did. Um, and so in the suit, we find the knights trying to carry the energy of the realm forwards. So the Knight of Pentacles is really like a manifester, like trying to manifest now, like taking that seed to other people. And they're sort of like a nose to the grindstone, head down, blinders on sense to the Knight of Pentacles, where it's like, you know what you need to achieve, so just do it, you know? And in the Spiritual Gaze Tarot deck, it would either be a llama, maybe? But maybe even more like a horse. Yeah, I was thinking like a workhorse, literally. Yeah, yeah. So we'll change that. It'll be a horse. Because the sense is that like you're literally moving that boulder across the field. Like that is Knight of Pentacles energy. I think about how the pyramids were built. I mean, through a lot of slave labor. But the fact is like the idea of something massive being built over a long period of time and that some moments in manifestation just require like blood, sweat, and tears. And that's the Knight of Pentacles. So if you're asking, like, how can I make this wish come true? And you pull the Knight of Pentacles, it's basically saying, like, bitch, get to work. Yeah, work it off. <laughs> so then the Queen of Pentacles. And the Queen of Pentacles is really like the archetypal mother. It's you as mother to yourself, nourishing yourself. And the animal that I kind of associated is an animal that we didn't even know about until we went to... Um, the Andes, the Vicuñas. Oh, so cute. And so Vicuñas, they are the softest of all of the camelids. And they also just have this like incredible beauty and these like long eyelashes. And there's just this almost mystical connection to the earth that they carry. And the queens, all of them have a watery element to them. So there's this idea of like water and earth with the queen of pentacles that kind of makes mud, this fertility essence. And so the queen of pentacles is you being a really good mom to yourself. And like I was talking about, for me, being a good mom to myself right now is being really soft. But in the past, being a really good mom to myself was like being hard and disciplined and being like, you wake up at 6 a.m. and you do your shit. And so the Queen of Pentacles is the discernment to be able to see between the two. Yeah, I see this one really like Capricorn, Saturnian almost in some way. Like yeah. Paternal element. So, yeah. But also very Virgo, too. Mm -hmm. Very like the mother and the child. Very like Mother Mary, you know. Um who feel like uh, like mothers in society? Like if we were to give people to these, like who feels? Michelle Obama. Yeah. Although she, 
to me, she feels more like the King of Swords in a way, because she's mm. such an amazing like speaker and that's like true. orator and leader in that way. But that's a great example that no one is just one of the court cards. Right. Um, cause in some ways like Oprah feels very queen of pentacles to me, but she also feels very king of pentacles to me. Yeah. And that actually brings up a good point, which is that the queen and the king, as far as I'm concerned, sit next to each other on the throne. There's no hierarchy here. It's not like the king is above the queen or the queen is above the king. The difference is, is that the queens hold court and the kings pour forth. And I was listening to, I forgot the podcast, um, but they were talking about just like queens, like not related to tarot they were just talking about like the queen in a kingdom and they said that the queen orders herself to order the realm Mm. and so when we pull a queen it's saying like if you get yourself in order that will get the world around you in order and i even think about michelle obama in a way and like how she dressed right and how like that really informed how we looked to her and we got a sense of who she was like the way that she ordered herself kind of ordered the realm around her all first ladies to some degree you know i think about jackie o well not all of them well but yeah she felt like our country's mother (laughs) you know that's how i looked at it totally like i was like oh mom's talking yeah for sure almost more important but then the king you know the king is the greatest servant now we haven't always seen that in the history of monarchy but the truth is is like a really good king is there to serve the people now that's not to say that the king is like you know in the stables like digging the horse shit but the king is still supposed to serve so when we pull a king it's actually asking us to step into a leadership quality that is there for altruistic purposes it's like how can we use our gifts to some degree to help others, to help those that populate the empire around us. And so the King of Pentacles, because there is a sense of like abundance and uh, a lot of material resources, is speaking to your ability to kind of organize that and order it for others. It's also really specifically, I think, about taking control of the physical basics of your life. Like, this is you when you decide, like, this is how my day is going to go. This is how my week is going to go. To give yourself that structure um, and to kind of, like, take control of your life in, like, a really nuts and bolts sort of way. So the animal that I would give to the king of pentacles is a camel, actually. Oh, uh Because a camel, first of all, like, is a service animal, right? Like carries people and things across the desert, has an incredible stamina, right? Can hold all of that water for so long, but also has like a magic to them. You know, like there's a majesty to a camel. Like you see a picture of a camel in a desert and you're kind of like, it's evocative of something sort of regal. And so that's King of Pentacles is being both regal and and a servant to some degree in terms of how you order. Like a CEO, like a badass CEO is very King of Pentacles energy. Those are the Pentacles court cards. So they show up to kind of say, like, life is to be taken advantage of to some degree and get out there into the physical world. So if you've been, like, spending years in an ashram or with your nose in books or, <laughs> you know, ignoring the physical reality, which I am guilty as charged, you know, the, the court cards in the suit of Pentacles say, like, and you also have to get out into the world. Right. Like, you have a body yeah. and there's, like, earth to be touched. So now let's move to the swords. So swords is connected to the element of air. Swords are the stories we tell ourselves, like Sonia Renee Taylor, the story of our body, right? Mm -hmm. So when we're talking about the page of swords, we're grounding identity. And the page of swords wields this one sword, this one ferocious good story for their life. 
And so I kind of call the page of swords like the gives no fucks card. In the sense that, like, this is who I am, take it or leave it. Like, I give no fucks, like, whether you approve of me or disapprove of me or like my haircut or don't. Like, this is me. Right. And so, to me, the Page of Swords really feels like a peacock. Mm. <laughs> because there actually is this sense of, like, pride of wielding the story of your life. And so, if this card shows up for you, it's really an opportunity to kind of, like, double down on your authenticity. And to wield your authenticity like a sword that's right. going to actually clear your way forwards. Margaret Cho. Yeah, totally. What a great example. And then the Knight of Swords is like moving that mental energy along. So in class, we talk about, you know, each card gets two elements. And there are a couple of cards that have the same element. Like mm -hmm. the Page of Pentacles is double earth. And the Knight of Swords is double air. And so this is really a card where like we get to change our minds. Because we're moving that mental energy out of our system so that we can create space for new energy. So when we pull the Knight of Swords, it's basically saying like, just because you've been thinking this for a really long time, just because you've built your whole life in accordance with these thoughts and stories, doesn't mean that you have to continue. And sometimes we have to throw the baby out with the bathwater because we need a brand new story. And that's actually what happens when we take ownership and responsibility for our authenticity is then we realize like, oh, and I don't have, and this isn't that's not true either. And that's not true either. Yeah. And it's really exciting and also a little scary to like throw all that stuff out. Um, there's a little bit of like a shit stir quality to the Knight of Swords or a pot <laughs> stir quality in a good mm -hmm. way. Like there's a little gossipy energy here too, but that's like the light and the dark, right? Like we can choose to stir our own stories to create a storm, or we can choose to use all that air, like a great big wind that clears us. Right. Or use what we've learned through our process to kind of stir shit up in culture right or yeah totally for sure i don't know why but demi lovato came to mind okay demi lovato knight of swords uh the animal for me that the knight of swords embodies is a hawk because mm. it's like having that big picture you know like seeing yeah the big picture and also just the way that like you see hawks on the wind like they really embody the element of air to totally. me so the queen of swords the ruth bader ginsburg of the deck <laughs> or the Michelle Obama of the deck. Yes. Um, I mean, Michelle Obama, really. I mean, you'll notice that like people in society that are just like fully embodied, that have so many aspects of themselves, you could like almost say like, well, they're all of these things, right? Because that's the idea with the court cards is they're inviting you into a fullness of your own authentic expression. But the Queen of Swords is really like telling the truth on yourself. And then you get to tell the truth on others. So it's being ferociously truthful, but also impartial and being objective or subjective. I think objective, right? That's like where you're, yeah. when you're subjective, you're influenced. When you're objective, you're like standing back and observing it all. Right. Yeah. And so that's the Queen of Swords. And she can be really intense because she tells the truth, but hopefully she tells the truth with love. And so I really think of the Queen of Swords as like a bat, like being able to see in the dark. You know, being able to have that sort of sonar, like nobody can tell a lie. Oh, that's interesting. That you'll buy. Like I you like can just that. see it, you know? Mm -hmm. Like Angel and I get into fights sometimes because we'll meet people. And uh, well, back in the day when you would meet people, this doesn't really happen in quarantine. <laughs> yeah. And I'd be like, that person's energy is no good. And he'd be like, no, they're so nice. They're so charming because I, I think you are a little more easily charmed than I am. But occasionally you'd be wrong. Yes, occasionally I would be wrong, but, but most of the time, most of the time, most of the time, <laughs> I'd, I'd be like, like, "No, they're great," and then I'd be like, "Oh, they're terrible." And then somewhere down the road, you'd be like, "Oh, wow, they're terrible." And I'd be like, "Yep, I know, they can't fool me." And so the Queen of Swords is kind of being able to like 
really notice the truth, no matter how gorgeously wrapped that truth might be. So you're just trying to tell us you're the queen of swords. Got it. No. (laughs) Sometimes. And then the king of swords, like this is the teacher, the speaker, the writer of the deck, because swords are words, swords are stories. And so while the queen is kind of holding the stories for herself to empower herself, the king is giving them forth. So if you ever pull the king of swords, it's basically saying like, it's time to write the book. It's time to give the lecture. It's time to... Take responsibility for your authority over whatever it is that you're an expert on. And I always like to remind people that they are an expert on surviving their life. So even if you don't have a master's degree, I mean, we don't, but we've survived our lives. And so you have the authority to speak on the things that have empowered you as you've lived your life. And you need to teach. We all are teachers to some degree. And we are all speakers to some degree. So this could also be songwriting. This could also be playwriting. This could be screenwriting. But the King of Swords is kind of like, very specifically like you as a speaker, as a writer, getting out there and giving your gifts of story and words and thought out to the world. The animal that I have for that is the crow, because they are chatty as fuck. That's true. All right, so moving right along here. Maybe this was like too much to bite off in one episode, but we're just going <laughs> to power through Yeah. Here. So cups, suit of emotion and intuition and feeling and relationships. It's the water of our lives, um, the things that really flow in our hearts. And so the page of cups is the vulnerability card because it's grounding all of that water and emotion and intuition and imagination. And so the page of cups walks into a room and says like, hey, here I am, here's my heart. So this is a card that really speaks to you when you allow yourself to be seen wherever you are, however you are. And there's also like a really playful, creative, inspirational quality that comes from giving yourself permission to play with all the crayons in your crayon box. And I always say like, there's not a single color that isn't a value at some moment. So you need access to all of them. It can't just like always be like red, green, and blue. Like sometimes you need shit brown. Sometimes you need like, you know, (laughs) black as coal. Sometimes you need gray. And so the Page of Cups is your ability to really surrender to that. And the animal that the Page of Cups represents to me is the dolphin. Because the dolphin's super intuitive and mm-hmm. super playful. And, and there's, they're animals that need other animals, right? Like dolphins need their pods. Yeah. And so we remember that as human beings, we need other people. We need people to witness our lives. And if we're not being honest and vulnerable and exposing ourselves to some degree, we're not, we're not getting actually what we need. The Knight of Cups is kind of like the Zen master of the deck because the Knight of Cups is able to observe the emotions without necessarily acting on them. And the Knight of Cups actually isn't in the river. All the other cards are in the river, but the Knight of Cups is actually on the banks of the river. And if you look at the Rider White Tarot, there's actually a lot, a lot of resonance between the Knight of Cups and death. They're actually drawn in very similar ways. Yeah, they're both figures on a horse by a river. Um, And so there's this sense of like, Knight of Cups as transformation, as mm. the, the ability to transform your emotions by moving them through you, not getting snagged by them, but by just observing them, observing your triggers and letting them move through you. Right. Not being of them. Right. Exactly. Um, and so that's why the Knight of Cups is actually a flamingo, as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> because the flamingo is like in the water, but then like flies away from the totally. water. Isn't like a dolphin, you know, isn't like a whale. Yeah. It's in it's yeah, in the like water. Kind of barely in the water. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of <laughs> above it to some degree. Totally. And then the Queen of Cups, this is like the most mysterious, the most watery of the court cards. Mm-hmm. I've only ever lost one tarot card in my entire life, and it was the Queen of Cups. And then two years later, 
I found her in a different tarot deck. Do you remember that, babe? Yeah, for sure. I think it was this year that I found her. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, like, how did you get here? Because that's who she is. She is on the bottom of the ocean floor, hanging out with all the mermaids, which is why she's a whale, because she can go to all of those <laughs> mm-hmm. deep, deep depths. Mm-hmm. And she's also, you know, a symbol of deep transformation. You don't have words when you're all water. All you have is the experience and your intuition. And so when the Queen of Cups shows up in your life, it's basically saying like, honey, you are moving through a deep transformational process that at some point you will be able to King of Swords about, but right now you are just in it. And you just have to allow yourself to be in the feeling state of it and to follow those currents and surrender to your transformation right yeah which is then why the king of cups is the healer of the deck because the king of cups can then hold the space for others transformation so it's that it's that pouring forth of that compassion and that love and that's a lot of what healing is right is holding the container for other people to process whatever they need to process without feeling judged and so the king of cups is that it's that vessel and in some ways the king of cups can also be like an actor or an artist who channels a story or another character because that's holding space for somebody else too and so i've experienced in my days where i was doing a lot more acting the king of cups would show up a lot because it was like you need to let Brandon step to the side so that you can hold space for whoever this character is. Mm, Meryl Street. Totally. Very King of Cups. And so the animal that I uh, gave to King of Cups was an octopus. Ooh. Because there's something kind of like, because the kings are kind of fiery. So mm-hmm. this is fire and water. And octopi feel very kind of like fiery and electric to me. Yeah, for sure. And also with all those arms, they can hold a lot of space. <laughs> 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 they can hold eight hands at once, you know? They'd be very efficient healers. Okay. (laughs) Our last courts are the wands. So wands are fire. They're spirituality and sexuality and creativity. They're the things in our lives that spark. And so, you know, this is kind of the opposite of pentacles in a way, you know, like if you've been a little too physical, if you've been a little too counting your coins, building your empire, then wands show up to say like, yeah, but what about the things that go with you when you die? Because it's not your bank account, honey. Um, So... When we start with the Page of Wands, we're really grounding all of that fire. And to me, I've actually thought about the Page of Wands as a turtle because it's about your own pace. So the Page of Wands, I've also talked about it as like a sailboat or like being a sailor that like... Mm-hmm. When the wind shows up, then you sail. And when the wind isn't there, then you just hang out and you meditate and you cook some good food and you wait for the wind. And it's about sustainability of action and surrendering to divine processes as they want to unfold. So if the page of wand shows up in your life, it's saying like, look to what feels alive for you. Look to what's hot. Look to where the wind is. And if you feel the wind, do it. But if you don't feel the wind, then wait until it shows up. Conversely, if you feel the inspiration, if the muse visits you, don't tell her like, hey, no, not right now. You don't know when the wind's going to come again. Yeah, get in the flow. So you got to sit down and you got to honor it. Um. You know, when songs come to me, no matter where I am, I pull out my voice notes and I, I capture them because I don't know if I, cause I know because I've lost too many in my life that they may not come again. They only come once or twice. So then the Knight of wands is really this like ferociously charismatic and combustible energy. It's fire and air. So it's really you when you just like feel like a badass. And everyone feels like a badass somewhere, you know, like a librarian feels like a badass in a library, like that's their realm. 
So the Knight of Wands is you when you're really giving over to your charisma, uniqueness, your nerve, and your talent, <laughs> honey. In some ways, the Knight of the Knight of Wands is like the the drag queen of the deck. Yeah, it's like you feeling all of your oats, and when the Knight of Wands walks into a room, everybody notices. You know, so uh, the animal that I have associated with that is a salamander. Because of that, like, fiery kind of mystical quality of the salamander. Uh-huh. You know, like, a salamander can literally not get burned to death in a fire. Like, they've learned oh, wow, yeah. magnificently how to survive in the fire, in the in the crucible of transformation. And so that's you, where being in the fire doesn't burn you. It actually brings you more alive. Alyssa Edwards. Yes, Alyssa Edwards. And then the Queen of Wands is the witch of the deck. I mean, she's water and fire together. She's stern her cauldron and she's inherently magical and fertile and creative. And it's you being asked to kind of step into your witchery a little bit more. It's like taking ownership of your own spiritual power. And I actually think of, um, cause I wanted reptiles for the most part for these. And so I actually thought like, a dinosaur for the queen of wands because <laughs> there's this sort of like ancient magic it could also be a crocodile but there's this sense of like really connecting to that like ancient magic that you are an arbiter of you know based on your own legacy and your own bloodline yeah, yeah. and so when the queen of wands shows up it's basically saying like girl you need to make some magic with your life whether it's candle magic crystal magic even just like in the kitchen you know like your food is spells but it's it's infusing your life with magic that you have a personal access to whatever your own personal brand of magic is and then the king of wands is like the dumbledore of the deck like it's the great wizard there's a sense here that you have to use your spiritual power for the good of other people, that you have to use this double fire to empower and ignite and inspire all those around you. So I also think that like really good directors to some degree have this element because a director knows that like they are there to assemble all of the experts in their field. And then their job is to like basically empower them to do their best. And so there's a sense of like, how can the, how can the King of Wands really do that? And it's by also like doing their best and by showing their zest and their magic and their lust for life to some degree. And so for me, and when I think about animals for this, uh, I was thinking a dragon. Oh yeah. Cause I mean, what else, what else is more magical and fiery and also like the dragon is necessary for the hero to become the fully realized hero. They have to slay the dragon. Right. So, you know, the truth is, is that all of these court cards have their high vibe and their low vibe. They're not necessarily all good because you could be a king of wands who's like a total manipulator and a sorcerer, or you can be a king of wands who's like a healer and an empowerer. And so sometimes the reversal indicates that, that it's you in this sense of yourself in shadow. Oh, right. But it also could be you doubting this aspect of yourself or just finding this in a new way. Like if you've only ever been a badass, you know, in the kitchen, but all of a sudden you're supposed to be a badass in the boardroom or the bedroom, Mm -hmm. then it might come in upside down because you're just learning how to experience adjust. exactly right. adapt adapt and adjust who that was a tarot marathon you did it though that a, was great tarothon. um so yeah we will do a little soft pitch here but if you're interested in the tarot our 12-week tarot class is coming up we did this in the spring it was so magical. It was. And it's more than just about the tarot. It's really about how to trust your intuition, how to learn the language your intuitive gifts speak. Um, 
It's a beautiful sanctuary. We have a shit ton of fun and we bring in a lot of different resources to help you understand all of the different energies that the cards express. There's no memorization required. No. We do not anticipate anyone to memorize 78 cards, but I guarantee you, you show up for all 12 weeks and you will know these cards by heart because you'll understand why they mean what they mean. Yeah. There's a whole deeper system at play here and we would love to illuminate that for you. Yeah, come have fun with us. Well, beautiful. Well, speaking of tarot cards, we give the people a tarot card, a little tarot card reading of the week. Yeah, let's do it. So take a moment, get grounded, close your eyes. Unless you're driving. Then I will close my eyes for you. And the sound of the cards, listening into that is enough to connect you. So just listen to the shuffling. And just know that this message will resonate no matter the future place or time to which you listen to this episode. One card like a bridge to get us from where we've been to where we need to be. The Five of Pentacles reversed. So it's really interesting because this is one of those cards that has a really bad reputation and actually has an incredibly sweet magic to it if you can lean into it. Five of pentacles is contraction in the physical realm. So fives are contraction, pentacles, the physical. So this sometimes speaks to feeling like there isn't enough, feeling like you're having a little bit of a breakdown, hitting rock bottom. But really what this card is speaking to is how we invite spirit into our lives. Because four is a complete system, but five actually invites in that mysterious fifth element, the ether. And so to me, the five of pentacles is kind of like those people that only pray when they're in a plane and they're experiencing turbulence and all of a sudden they get like really religious and they're like, God, please don't let me die. Right? Like sometimes we need a five of pentacles moment because that's the only way spirit can kind of shake us awake to start to ask for help, to give our lives over to something bigger. And so in the reverse position, it's actually softer. It's actually gentler. So I want everyone to take a deep breath and to not freak out and just notice where in my life am I trying to take control over something that I can offer up to a higher power. And we've been doing this great program, It's Not Your Money, with Tosha Silver. Um, We need to continue with that because we've kind of edit out uh but basically she talks about how she just offers up every problem to love she's like this isn't my problem this is love's problem so love show me how this is supposed to go and it's a really useful practice so the five of pentacles is where we get the opportunity to invite spirit in to solve problems for us in miraculous ways and trusting that our needs will always be met if we can be expansive enough to allow for what we really need to be provided to us and what we don't need to be taken from us. So as you move through however long until you listen to another podcast or pull another tarot card, start to invite in that fifth element. Start to invite in the ether. Start to invite in spirit because there is more than what you see and taste and touch and feel and it's what we can't see that's actually booing us along, that's at our backs, that's really resourcing us more fully than we can ever imagine. So find a way to get in touch with a larger benevolent energy that makes sense to you. Find a word that works for you. Mother nature, earth is always a good place to go. Um, If you grew up by mountains or the ocean, you know, you can give your problems over to those benevolent, compassionate spirits, but find a way to live your life on the breath of the goddess and to let that breath 
inspire you and empower you as you move through your days. Amazing. Thank you. We did it. We did it. We did another one. (laughs) We did it. Gazers, we love you. We love getting to connect with you and see you. And we are just so grateful that you've opened up your hearts and your minds and your third eyes to our particular brand of tomfoolery (laughs) and fuckery and magic. Yeah, for sure. And healing. So don't hesitate to reach out to us, ask us questions. Some people have actually um, reached out with some suggestions for episodes, Mm -hmm. which we've definitely put on the list and are doing our work to kind of research and prepare. So we're excited. We're going to do an episode about death for Scorpio season. And we're going (laughs) to do an episode all about um, kind of the sacred role that queer people and transgender people play in spiritual communities and kind of exploring that necessity. Um, So... If you have an idea for a topic that you'd like us to cover, please don't hesitate to share that with us. Yeah. We'll also be doing a whole astrology episode on Mars um, just to, uh, you know, help ring in the Mars retrograde season. Yes. We'll celebrate it. Yes. Um, So you know where to find us. The Spiritual Gaze on Instagram. Spiritual Spiritual Gaze Gaze on Twitter. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at Spiritual Gaze or just at thespiritualgaze.com, our website. Uh, you can always just email us at thespiritualgaze at gmail.com. We love you. Thank you for being here. Take good care of yourselves. Yes, please. Stay grounded. Stay soft. Stay you. Until next time, this has been your transit through the Spiritual Gaze.